Crawford, you did more for the guinea pig market in one night than Paul Revere did for the horse. And even more than Paul Revere did for the lantern business. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I can hear the kids crying. And uh, I have another letter here that uh, is going to have to be taken up before we get started tonight because it brings up a very important philosophical point that I'm afraid many of you possibly have thought about from time to time. I don't like to bother you with these things, but uh, we just have to bring them up once in a while. This lady writes, and she says, uh, Dear Mr. Shepard, I am finally convinced after listening to your program for a considerable length of time, you are the voice of the devil. You are the voice of the devil, and I'm writing to my congressman about it, a disillusioned listener. And the question that arises immediately to me, that hits me, immediately is, How did she know? How did she know? I, I'm, I'm not going to deny anything because they tell me that the devil speaks through many innocent vessels. Have you ever heard that? I'm not about to deny a darn thing. A gosh darn thing. Golly. And uh, I, I, uh, I can only say that this is considerably, uh, it's considerably shaken me. I mean, never, I never thought myself as, as, a, as the funnel through which evil speaketh to the great mass of the innocent and the unsullied. And uh, I just, all I have to say is, uh, again, we must uh, propose the philosophical question. How did she know? If you will, Herbert, please. drifts over Secaucus. Bird song. Lost. Battery low. Stereo time and the frog seated on his lily pad calls to his mate. That's a salute to the transistorized that temple Japanese sacred birds, which uh, two weeks ago we ordered from the sacred transistorized temple sacred bird company of Osaka, Japan, and we can hardly await. In fact, we're anxiously awaiting their delivery. Battery operated in seven decorator shades. Reset that, Herbert, please, if you will. Uh, is there anybody else out there who feels that uh, I am the voice of the devil? I just just wanted to ask that. I didn't want to. I, I don't want to stir up a a uh, a rabbit's warren. Isn't that what you stir up? No, I don't think so. You, what is it? A rat's nest you stir up? Well, I, I don't know whether you can stir up a rat's nest. Uh, you can possibly stir up a. I don't know. You know, speaking of uh, of uh, stirring up nests, I'd like to salute the group of uh, rustlers. Uh, you know, rustling is becoming big business again, 
and uh, it's uh, really, really operating in all directions now. There's bicycle rustling. It's been going on in New York now for months. In fact, I know one lady whose bicycle was removed forcibly right from out from under her bottom when she went past the bush in Central Park. And she rode on for over half a block before she realized it was gone. Of course, she was a large pneumatic lady, so it doesn't really matter much one way or the other because she can bicycle all by herself. However, we would like to salute a group of, uh, of uh, rustlers in Yakima, Washington. Yakima County Sheriff's deputies have hit the trail in search of 24 million bees, which disappeared over the weekend from the bee ranch run by Jim and Jess Bunch. They, yeah, they hit them. Yeah, they got away with uh, 24 million bees. That's a lot of bees, no matter how you cut it. And uh, they, they just knocked it over. Way they went with all them bees. And they, can you see the rustlers cackling around, uh, eating all that honey? And uh, <laughs> Of course, you know, uh, you may not be aware of this, but there's been a terrible, uh, there's been a terrible rustling problem in pet stores in this area. That's right. Uh, people have been hitting the gerbils and the hamsters. And, uh, of course, uh, not many hooded cobras have been rustled recently. However, uh, I suspect the time is not far off. Uh, I, I know one pet store guy down in the village now who's wiring all his guinea pigs with little electronic alarms. So that uh, you know they tick away <laughs> little bells on their neck and all, but uh, I, I I would like to uh, I would like to tonight uh, take this opportunity to uh, to uh, apologize to uh, any parents who suddenly found themselves knee deep in arguments on why they shouldn't have a whole a whole uh, collection of guinea pigs as a result of a program we inadvertently did last week. In fact, uh, a guy from one of the big department stores here, namely Macy's. He said that within 12 minutes after our show, his entire stock of guinea pigs went out immediately. He says, yeah, they run on guinea pigs that uh, <laughs> he couldn't believe. And he said some of them guinea pigs were getting long in the tooth. He said been around there for years. One guinea pig, he said, was there when, when, uh, when the original Macy's set up the store. He said all of a sudden people came charging in, screaming and yelling and hollering, we want guinea pigs. He said, what the hell do you do with that? Well, uh, I, I just have to apologize. Can you see, I, you see the arguments over the weekend? Now look, now look, Clarence, I've had enough of the guinea pig. Now all I gotta say is, if you get a guinea pig, you're gonna take care of it. Oh, gee whiz, of course I'll take care of it. Now, I mean, take care of it. After all, who's gonna walk the damn thing, huh? You gotta walk them. You know what that goes into? Oh, gee whiz. And pigs, you know how pigs are. Huh? Well. Uh, you know, it's, I, I know, I know. It's a, it's this terrible thing that happens. I, you just, uh, you just. Uh, that's that. Incidentally, is the voice of the devil. That is the voice of the devil right there. The voice of the devil lays out all kinds of subtle guidelines and subtle enticements to the human spirit. That many a family was going along peacefully on the quiet waters of suburban tranquility until suddenly the silver-tongued devil spoke aloud a, a, a terrible predilection in favor of the guinea pig, and the waters were ruffled. The reefs reached for the bottom of many a, a quietly sailing vessel of family peace. And then when they came to town and found out that the guinea pig market had uh, suddenly zoomed and there were no guinea pigs available, then it became hell. Ah, that's, that's nothing to what we've got prepared for you. 
That's nothing. Would you please give me a little of my, uh, the, the, the other one there, please. Please, if you will. Come on, let's hear it. Good, I can't help. I'm In case you're wondering what that is, uh, that is a classical Sicilian uh, style uh, Jews harp. And I think I do it rather Sicilian like. You like that? All right, that ain't exactly uh, e haw. I said the corn ain't high on that stuff. Speaking of corn, this is WOR, New York. And uh, if you will, please, Herbert. Hey, guinea pig fans, if you want to meet the uh, the kids of Italy, I would suggest you take your vacation in Portugal, uh, because Portugal is where the kids of Italy, France, England, Germany, Switzerland, Denmark, and those great uh, Swedish chicks take their vacations. So just so that the kids of America won't be left out of all this fantastic action in Portugal this summer, TAP, the Intercontinental Airline of Portugal, is introducing a youth fair. Only $210 round-trip economy airfare to Portugal, subject to government approval, of course, and the ticket is good for one year. And you can just spend a whole year sitting around at the cost of the soil there. 
Anyone under 26 and over 12 is eligible. How's that for discrimination? In Portugal, you'll meet European kids in the wine country, in the ancient castles, in the museums, hiding under bushes, and doing all kinds of great things. In Portugal, the prices are incredibly low, the food is great, and the people move real good. Call your travel agent or TAP at 421-8500. Ding dong. 421-8500 for complete information about TAP's $210 youth fare to Portugal. And tell them the Silver Tongue Devil sent you. Go where the European kids go. Portugal. Come and dance upon my table, you little Portuguese vixen. We'll talk about the simple wines of the upland country. Come. There you Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's clears the air, doesn't it? Uh, let's see. Tomorrow, June 20th, WOR News provides complete coverage of the New York State primary. So listen, that's the polls close at 10 p.m., and we will continue throughout the night until all major races are decided. What is this, a racial spot here? Oh, I see. Oh, is this the OTB spot? No, I see. It has to do with the primary. That was it, a racist. So you'll enjoy it. It's tomorrow, all night long. Bulletins. Fultonville. And now the 12th district, which is reporting that its machine is out of order. However, all the seven votes counted have got uh, Mr. Grubbage in the lead by two votes. And now we return you to Lester Smith and uh, the news at WRR. Thank you. Would you please hit the button? Hmm. Right now, General Tire is having a pre-Fourth of July sale on the famous General Jet White Wall Tire. During this great sale, you can buy a complete set of four tires for only $59.80. So at last, you can get out and drive again. That's for a popular size, 650, 13, one of the big pop records, plus 175 federal excise tax per tire. Larger size tires are also sale price, so you look for that big red G. That's General Tire, it's for quality for over 56 years. And in the Bronx, Visit George Barnett at General Tire Service, 1163 Leggett Avenue. Yeah, that was exciting. Let's see, we've got uh, news day. Oh, how about, uh, how about let's doing a less chumps? <coughs> hey, will somebody please tell Howard Cosell, anybody who has got a direct pipeline to Howard Cosell, that's hard to believe, but uh, if, uh, if you do, would somebody please tell Howard Cosell that the town is not Des Plaines, Illinois. It's Des Plaines, Illinois. I keep hearing these promos. He's going to do something in Des Plaines. He says, keep saying, Des Plaines, Illinois. The world's international finger-cracking contest will be held. The knuckle-busters are coming from all over the world. And a great champion everywhere is gathering. It's Des Plaines, Howard. Des Plaines. I know it is a French word, Howard, but they ain't French in Des Plaines, Illinois. It is not Lima, Ohio, either. It's Lima, Ohio. Lima, as in bean. They named it after the beans. <laughs> it is not Lima beans. It's Lima beans, correct? And in Des Plaines, it's Des Plaines. Okay. All right, now. Speaking of French, there you are at an intimate table, graced by the candlelight. The sounds of strolling musicians create a mellow mood, 
as you enjoy a sumptuous dinner prepared in the continental style. You are not in a little Parisian cafe, but in the delightful Le Champs restaurant, right in the heart of Manhattan on East 40th Street, between Park and Madison. And I would like to suggest Le Champ is open after the theater, too, for dinner, snacks, and beverages. So come to Le Champ, the continental restaurant with the strolling musicians, the international... You know, I don't ever know what to do with my face when a strolling musician stands directly in front of me when I'm closing in on this chick and he starts to play Viennese waltzes. What do you do? Do you smile? Or do you say, get out of here, buddy? You're killing the whole act. Or uh, you give him $10 and tell him to go out and buy another fiddle or what? But then, nevertheless, come to Le Champ, the continental restaurant with the strolling musicians, the international menu, and the free limousine service. Le Champ, 25 East 40th Street, between the park and Madison. For reservations, call L.E. 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 2-6566. I am, of course, anglicizing this. L.E. 26566. All right. Did I do that okay? Le Champ. 25... What is that? 25 East 40th Street. Gee, that's such an unromantic name, though, East 40th Street. That's not like the, uh, the Avenue Voltaire. The Boulevard de Amelide. Let's see. We have uh, other things here. I always thought that meant the Boulevard of the Sick People. Let's see. Uh, what else do we have in there? Do you have a goodie in there? Yes, in the machine. Over the past 32 years, Newsday, the Long Island newspaper, has become one of the great success stories in publishing history. Recently, we started a Sunday edition. And what Newsday has done so well six days a week, we're now doing just as well on Sunday. For example, the editorial page section. I'm Bob Weimer, editorial writer and columnist for Newsday. In our coverage of the news, we tell you what's happening. In our editorial page section, we try to tell you why it's happening. We call this section viewpoints in the daily paper. In Sunday's expanded section, we call it ideas. It's the place where you'll find hard-hitting editorials and the political cartoons of Pulitzer Prize winner Tom Darcy, where Newsday columnist Patrick Owens and I often sharply disagree, where politicians and professors and our own readers sound off. It's your journal of opinion. Newsday, Long Island's own Sunday newspaper. No service charge for home delivery. Yeah, come style, amigo, huh? It's a fantastic hat, man. <laughs> Good to see you. Hey, listen, uh, speaking of, uh, of the uh, hamster world, we just, uh, I hate to burden you with this kind of technical uh, problem at this hour. I understand that uh, you're looking for peace and quiet. You come to the wrong place. However, yeah, oh, there's no peace and quiet in life. If there was, I'd go out of my bird. I'd hate it. I mean, if there's anything I hate, it's tranquility. I guess that's what turned me off of Zen. Oh, tranquility. Listen, you're going to be awful tranquil when you're dead. You'd be tranquil for endless millennia. I mean, with the music playing behind you, the heavenly chorus, you walking around trying to learn how to play the harp. And I hate the harp. I think the harp is a silly-sounding instrument. Now, had I... I, I, I might have been more religious had, had they told me that, uh, that uh, in heaven they play Jews' harps. Or, uh, <laughs> why the harp? I mean, of all things. <laughs> A bad-sounding instrument. I always think the harp is being played by tall, thin girls with hair that's bleached blonde. And they wear long, velvet black dresses, and they have sour looks on their faces. Either that or Harpo Marx, who was quite the opposite. But, you know, speaking of, of uh, 
of technical problems. We have just received a call from a kid who called in and says, Shepard, can you tell me how to cut the toenails on a hamster? Was it a gerbil or a hamster, please? A hamster. Well, I'm not a hamster man. Uh, I be, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I, uh, uh, I was once bitten badly by a hamster. Well, actually, it was a gerbil that bit me. I was told that gerbils were friendly little things, so I reached out to, to say hello to this gerbil, and I just about lost the end of my finger, and he never stopped it. I mean, he just kept right after it. So I cannot tell you how to cut the toenails on a hamster, although I suspected a rubber mallet applied briefly behind the back of his neck, two quick shots, and that uh, would stun him nicely, and then you can cut the toenails on anything. It's probably you can cut the toenails on your old man doing that. How... <laughs> However, if there's anybody out there who knows how to cut the toenails on a hamster, we would be delighted to know it. Uh, not, not that I have that problem. I rarely sleep with hamsters, in which case, of course, toenails could be very irritating. However, that's, uh, that's another problem. We will not bring that up. However, uh, being, uh, you know, it embarrasses me. You know, it really is. I, I, the reason this, this, this uh, guinea pig thing came up here a couple of days ago, I'll just be honest with you, I... I was called by a newspaper here in town, and, and uh, you know, they're always doing these uh, specials in the Saturday edition of papers like the Post and that, you know, like that, behind the scenes in showbiz. You know, what does Paul Newman do when he's, you know, he stops being Paul Newman when the cameras stop and he starts walking around scratching? What does he do, you know? And so they called up and they said that we'd like to know what, uh, what, uh, what is your interest in animals? Of course, all the very big-type stars, they always raise... Uh, Appaloosas, or they raise uh, Arabian horses, that kind of thing. Of course, to raise an Arabian horse is easy. For one thing, you hire somebody to do it for you. I haven't, I've never known any, any of these guys that raise Arabian horses that actually do it. They just send a check every month, then they go get their picture taken next to it. That's about the extent of it, thing. And, uh, you know, it's, a, and it's also very fashionable. You can be photographed atop your Arabian horse looking vaguely like uh, Charlton Heston, about to give the Saracens a couple of shots in a year. You know, and, and uh, yes, that's right, this very romantic uh, animal. On the other hand, by the way, speaking of animals, we'd like to salute tonight Sam Yorty, you know, the mayor of uh, Los Angeles. I don't know the ac exact details, but uh, I, uh, I got this paper. I'm, I'm always getting papers that are cut off at the bottom, you know, with a little strip of paper that hangs down, and they cut the bottom of the stories off. And there's a headline that says, Sam Yorty. Mayor of Los Angeles bitten by sea otter. A sea otter named Shorty bit Mayor Sam Yorty, and that's as far as I know. Now, I thought that was a pretty exciting story. It's not every mayor that can <laughs> go around and say he's been bitten by a sea otter. And probably, knowing that politician, he was in the middle of developing a, a theme in the middle of a, of a bombastic oration defending the sea otter. Uh, probably saying we must get behind the sea otters to, pre you know, to prepare them for... Uh, for the future when everybody's wanted to go to see sea otters, and this baby reached out and grabbed them. His name was Shorty, which is not a bad name for a sea otter. They're pretty short at the shoulder, right? I mean, you know, you hardly could name a sea otter lefty or righty. I mean, I don't know. I imagine there are left-handed sea otters, but I don't want to get political in this thing. However, uh, Mayor Sam Yorty was bitten by a sea otter, in case you missed it. And I can see him being rushed off to Los Angeles General. You know how they have these, 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 these TV shows all the time about emergency? You've seen these shows? And they always have real, real commonplace emergencies, like, uh, uh, you know, a guy is caught in a falling landslide. And he's there, you see his feet sticking out, and, 
And they, these guys, have you ever seen that show, Emergency, on TV? But they don't ever have the kind of emergencies that actually happen in real life. And you see, uh, car 51, calling emergency squad, car 51, mayor of Los Angeles, just bitten by Seattle named Shorty. Quick, rush to the corner of 422 and the Windhurst Drive. Uh, and, that, and nobody would believe it. There's the mayor standing there, and the sea otter's got a hold of his hand. And uh, Marty Milner gets down off the truck. And, and the <laughs> hey, we're getting we're getting uh, information on how to cut the toes on gerbils. Uh, yes, yes, that's right. Uh, we did have our own emergency that happened here at the station. Don Cricky, who is uh, one of our sports guys. He had this rented tuxedo on, you know, and you know Don cuts a rather, rather. Uh, you see, he's very deceptive. If you if you looked at Don casually without knowing, you'd think that Don is an elegant Cary Grant type. He's got these elegant good looks, and that's why he keeps getting sent to places like the horse show. He wears a tuxedo well, you know, but inside there is the soul of an oaf. Because uh, I'm sorry, I like. Oh, I, I I think oafs are lovable. Yeah, that that puts him with all the rest of us, doesn't it, man? So, uh, so Don, Don goes out there, and here he is standing on camera at this elegant uh, center ring at the horse show, you know, the National Horse Show. Very elegant. These very elegant horses there. And so the one that won the prize for something, I mean, the, the highest jumper or the shortest jumper or the most serious jumper or, or the most concerned Arabian or something, see, uh, it's led over to Don. Did you hear the story? Here he is on camera. See, Don's looking very official. And now we are... Uh, we are presenting the uh, Silver Cup for Mrs. J.W. Bullard and Charles W. Osterschlager Memorial Cup for the uh, shortest jumper. A uh, little shorty here, this magnificent Arabian gelding, gelding uh, has leaped uh, over six and a half inches to win this cup. And with that, the horse reaches out and just bit that daylights out of him. The horse grabbed all of his rented tuxedo and just gave him Billy B. Damn. Just really gave him what? Right on camera. See, well, now Don is trying to look cool. So Don, <laughs> and the horse, you see, unfortunately, Don realized at that moment that, that not all horses are totally uh, non-carnivorous. Once given the taste of a, of a cricky, a horse sometimes goes ape. And this horse liked the taste, and he starts to chew right up the side of Don's arm that was working towards the short ribs. <laughs> That's right. So immediately he says, and now we, uh, Brack, take you up to the booth. And people saw his arm disappearing into the horse. And uh, there was a lot of yelling down in the ring, and they finally separated the horse from Don. Here he is. He's got a big white carnation and a whole bit, see. Well, two things happened. One, the horse completely destroyed the rented tuxedo. You know, tuxedo. He chewed it all up. Have you ever seen a horse chewing on a rented tuxedo? First of all, rented tuxedos are made out of used Kleenexes anyway. And uh, this, this horse really chewed that tuxedo up. And furthermore, he also chewed Don up. So here is Don. They rush him over to Roosevelt Hospital, or was it Bellevue? Yeah, it was Roosevelt. And remember, it's Saturday night. That's what made it worse. It's Saturday night. And you know what kind of action they get in the in the emergency ward Saturday night at Roosevelt Hospital. I mean, there were guys there with daggers sticking out of them and guys with beer bottles sticking out of their ears. You know, they've been having these fantastic fights in the bars. And, you know, this is the way, this is the people there. You know, they're all sitting around, see, waiting for guys to come and staunch the blood. And in the middle of it all arrives Don Cricky with his tuxedo. And you can see where the horse had bitten the top off, right off his carnation. And here he's sitting amid all these guys that got in fights in bars. And the, this this uh, intern comes around and says, Then what, what's your problem? And of course, there's Don sitting in a tuxedo. Scene. 
And Don says, well, I was uh, bitten by a horse. He says, bitten by a horse? He says, where was, where was the horse? You know, is it... They want to check for rabies in the horse world, you know. He thought maybe, you know, a passing horse down here on Times Square grabbed them or something, you know. So where was the horse? Well, it was at the horse show. And immediately all these guys, you know, it was the class war began. <laughs> that's like, you know, that's like getting a terrible splinter from the teakwood deck of your yacht. And now here you are at Bellevue with the rest of the guys. You know, they got beer bottles sticking out of their ears and stuff. So uh, these things uh, are not to be taken lightly. Uh, the, the world of the true emergency rarely is, is put on things like the emergency. And in fact, uh, if, if there's anybody out there can give us information on how you can trim a hamster's toenails, we would appreciate it because according to this uh, car that called in and spoke to my official filter of bad calls, uh, when you've got a, a hamster who's, who's got long toenails, he can be uh, uh, just bad news. It's like living in a house filled up to the, up to the walls with uh, coleslaw or something. He is a bad news thing. Now, I, I have to... See, I, to, to go back to the story, though, I was a little embarrassed. You know, I got this call from this paper, and they said, uh, uh, do you raise horses uh, in, in your spare time? Maybe you're interested in sailing. Uh, are you interested uh, in uh, in uh, gliding? Uh, what what do you do in your time off? Well, I couldn't say. I couldn't admit that I've got a thing on guinea pigs. I thought about this for a while. I finally blurted it out. I said, "Well, I'm a guinea pig nut. I I, I love guinea pigs. This is unfashionable. One cannot be seen. You know, there can't be a picture of you and Mayor Lindsay and Bud Palmer, followed by Jerome Kretschmer." cantering through the park atop your prize guinea pig. This is not the social animal. And yet, there it is. You got the truth now. Let me do what you will with it. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what you can do with it. <laughs> That's right. Now you understand why I'm the voice of the devil. Uh, would you please... Uh, yes, uh, excuse me. We're getting a report here from our technical department. Yes. One kid wishes to know my guinea pig's name. All right. I have a guinea pig name uh, whose name is Conway Tweedy. His name is Conway Tweedy. I also was very familiar with a guinea pig named Porter Wagner. And uh, Porter Wagner was his name. That's right. A coat of many colors. And uh, Conway Tweedy is based on... Uh, it's actually named after my favorite performer. You've heard, have you ever heard of Conway Tweedy? Well, I, I, the, it's the cut of his nose that makes me think of a guinea pig. Every time I see Conway Twitty on, on TV, I, I keep thinking of, of a guinea pig. He's got a certain guinea pig quality. And it's not bad. To a guinea pig lover, a guinea pig is a beautiful creature, so that's not a put-down. Not at all. I agree that, uh, that there are some circles who would consider it that, but it is not in my case. I am a guinea pig man. In fact, I... Uh, a lady called and says, what can I do with my cat? And I suggested she get it stuffed. The only good cat is a stuffed cat that's been made into a lamp. And, uh, in fact, there's a place out in, uh, out in uh, Pennsylvania that says that if, you're, if your cat is getting too much for you, you know, with all the stuff, eating the furniture and, and scratching you every time you get out of the bathtub and all that jazz, that they can make your cat into a beautiful doorstop that has a transcribed tape in it, and that every time your door opens, the cat meows lovingly. 
it's all it's all trans you know it's all done with transistors you don't understand that kind of stuff I don't want to bring cathode followers and all that jazz into it. But nevertheless, cathode followers. Is, is a cathode follower... Uh, <laughs> I just thought of something. <laughs> is, uh, no, I better not. I, I hate bad jokes. Is a, is a cathode follower a, uh, a, uh, a, a... a cathode that is no better than it should be? I'm sorry. Uh, would you please, uh, somebody, somebody here? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm always hit by that, by the discrepancy between what you see in movies and TV and real life. Uh, have you ever noticed the wide discrepancy? How little your life rep- really is represented in the pictures and in uh, TV films. I mean, people just aren't like that uh, in in life. And so the other day, I'm walking down the street, see, and uh, I, uh, there's this cop. I happen to, in, in the block where I live, I live in a village, there's a, there's, a, there's a station there, see, and there's a cop always walking. Now, I'm always trying to make conversation with the cops. I figured that, you know, if in case of trouble, he'd recognize my face anyway. So he said, oh, yeah, I remember him, and uh, I'd get out of it somehow. All right, so I'm always trying to curry favor with authority. Do you, do, you, do you find yourself doing that, Herb? Well, that's why you are where you are. Uh, that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, inadvertently you do. Uh, I, I, I'm not talking about anything you, you step right out and do. You know, it's a, it's not something you do uh, overtly. You, you, yeah. Let's put it this way: there are certain people you talk one way to, and there are other ways you talk to other people. Right? That's currying favor. Okay. So I'm walking along the street, and uh, here's this big Seamus standing there, seeing I'm walking along, and I said, uh, "Hello, officer." And he looks at me. Because in my neighborhood, a, a cop is a good cop if he looks everybody over very carefully. And uh, he looks me over. And uh, I says, how are things on Adam 12? And he said, what was that? And I said, how's things on Adam 12? Because, you see, I know that in all the precinct houses, they sit around and watch Adam 12 and Dragnet all the time. Did you know that? They do. Do you know that? I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing you may not know. Do you know that in the slam... In the, for example, in Trenton State, I get I get a lot of letters from guys that are in the in the in the slam there, see, and uh, they have TV sets in there, in the rec hall, and all the TV sets always, whenever they're in the rec hall, are tuned to whatever crime show is on. Well, it's a professional interest, you understand. Uh, I mean, let's face it, that we all we all watch things that we relate to. If you love fishing, you watch fishing shows. I mean, if you're a second story man, you watch uh, Adam Twelve, you know. And the only problem is that uh, uh, the only problem is, of course, that the, that they're constantly rooting for the wrong side. Uh, you know, they're in there, they're cheering for the guy that you know that, uh, <laughs> to make it away. Because, and you know, how TV is they never get away in the end. Uh, but in real life, they hardly ever are not, you know, getting away. In fact, uh, one day I was I was robbed. See, this was uh, some time ago, and the cop arrived in my apartment, see, and everything is gone. You know, the, they took the drawers right out of the stuff. You know, they took the knobs off the doors, everything, see. So I said to him, well, well it probably won't be long before you get them, right? Because, you know, I see Adam 12. They never miss. And he says, what do you mean, right? He says, forget it, kid. And I said, well, look, uh, gee whiz, uh, they took everything. Look, they even took my plumber's helper right out of the jar everything. He says, forget it. You won't, uh, you won't see that again. You might as well start all over. I said, but, 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 you know, but, 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 Jack Webb doesn't talk like that. Uh, Sergeant Friday doesn't say he's Sergeant Friday. <laughs> Nothing to do with life. He says, I'll tell you, kid, 
He says, uh, we, we figured that uh, maybe five out of a hundred guys that knock over apartments are caught. About five. He says, and those five made a mistake. Like, they were, you know, they, they, came, they fell down the stairs with the TV set, knocked themselves out, and they laid there for four hours, and somebody found them laying there with the set, you know. And uh, <laughs> so I said, well, uh, gee, uh, that's uh, kind of depressing. He said, no, 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 no. That's just the way life is. And so here now, I have, I, I, I wish I had time. I only got about six minutes. That I have the log. Do you know that in, in, in Amherst, Massachusetts, they publish the police log every day of all the actual calls that the police really get, as opposed to Adam 12. You want to hear some of them? You want to hear? Actually, I'll go down. I won't even edit it. I'll just tell you, and you will you will recognize that not one of these incidents have you ever seen on Adam 12 or a Dragnet or any other police show. Naked City. You remember Naked City when they were always running around on the roof of the buildings? If you ever try to run around on the roof of my building, your feet would go right through. I mean, <laughs> they got a roof that's so thin, you know. And uh, uh, in fact, uh, they, it, it, almost every case of, of Naked City, they were always either running up and down fire escapes. Remember that? They were always chasing over the roofs, stuff like that. And they were always running into kids on the roof that had the. They were simple little uh, Mexican kids in Puerto Rico, you know, uh, kids. And they were always raising pigeons. Mm, that was the Marlon Brando influence. I don't know any roof in my neighborhood where they raise pigeons, unless. They're pigeons like you and me. It's a different kind of pigeon. Would you give me my theme? No, no, no. I'll save this for tomorrow. I won't. I won't blow it. You want to hear? Just, I'll give you. All right, I'll give you. I'll give you a taste of it. The police log from Amherst, Massachusetts. Not a standard. Not a little tiny town. Give me the theme music to the burglar, please. That's the theme music to a movie called The Burglar. See this guy's creeping on in a roof, right? 11.30 a.m., Wednesday. Smith Corona typewriter stolen from apartment on Meadow Street. 11.55 a.m., report of kids throwing stones at Old Junior High School, Kellogg Avenue. Gone when police arrive. 1.30 p.m., report of an ambitious dog damaging a home on Mill Lane. Taken to pound. 8.37 a.m., 12.43 p.m., 1.37 p.m., Complaints of dogs on people's porches messing up people's yards and digging in gardens. Slow ones taken to pound. Others referred to their owners. 4.45 p.m. Woman called for help with, quote, some sort of animal flying around in her basement. Police found a bird, opened the door, and it flew out. 11.05 p.m. Complaints of cars operating erratically on Northeast Street coming from rifle range. Assumed to be high school graduates celebrating freedom. Police asked them to cool it. 9.31 p.m. Resident of East Pleasant Street reported that he was throwing stones at a large German shepherd in his yard, just for the record. 11.53 p.m. Report of cars dragging by the rifle range, North East Street. Gone when police arrived. 1.14 p.m. Larceny of Smith Corona typewriter from Hampshire College. 10.40 p.m., woman said that her husband hadn't come home from work. He flew in about 2.33 a.m. 8.35 p.m., report that youngsters in cars had gone into the woods at the rear of Pine Heights. The cops found a party in progress. 
10.14 a.m., garden hose cut in pieces and lawn sprinkler smashed on Pomeroy Lane. 8.05 a.m., malicious destruction in the men's room, town hall, toilet seat missing, debris spread all over. 12.35 a.m., insomniac cows blocking traffic on Route 116 bypass, owner contacted. 8.33, 8.42, and 11.37 a.m. More dog troubles. One woman captured a dog in the act of defecating in her yard. He was taken, head hanging to the pound. Another woman reported that there were about 10 dogs in her garage. Didn't close the door in time, though, and the packet left when police arrived. Disappeared in the direction of Northeast Street. 3.58 p.m., woman reported a Volkswagen pulled into her yard. Occupant got out and cut down a rhododendron and then drove away with it. Registration of VW given to police. End of police log for Wednesday. I like that one about the dog with the hanging head. I can just see that with Marty Milner and his partner making the pinch on Dragnet. 104, car, car Adam 12, Adam 12, please go to the yard at North Pleasant Street, dog in act of committing public nuisance. Please report when apprehended. Out, over and out. Now check, uh, report to 104, form 7, uh, code 19, out. <laughs> hey, that would be a great, uh, that would be a great sequence in the Mod Squad. The Bee Rustlers, 24 million bees, and these Ace Mod Squad members go after the Bee Rustlers. And of course, they're organic bees. Uh, they grow nothing but organic food, you know, and that, that brings it into the Mod area there. It's uh, very important. And they find this little guy sitting on a bed of nails, you know, wearing a yoga thing. He's the Mr. Big of the bee, bee rustlers. <laughs> this is WOR New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the news. News in detail on the hour from the WOR newsroom. New York City Police Commissioner Patrick Murphy called in newsmen today to deny two things. One, that he's going to resign come August. A newspaper said today Murphy plans to step down and accept a pension worth three-quarters of his salary, which is $41,000 a year. Murphy said that just this morning, Mayor Lindsay called him in, told him what a great job he was doing. The commissioner also denied and vehemently that any of his top-ranking police officers are involved in the latest probe of narcotics and corruption of law enforcement officials. The commissioner admitted that the probe is reaching into high places, but he said they are beyond the police department, implicating other people involved in criminal justice procedures. He said the attack on corruption must include judges, prosecutors, lawyers, and bondsmen. Anyone, he said, who would sell justice out from under an honest police officer doing his duty. Meanwhile, Brooklyn District Attorney Eugene Gold was also busy denying. He said there was no truth to the story of a police undercover agent that Gold's office was hampering the prosecution on drug peddlers in the city schools. Detective Steve Spinelli, testifying behind a screen and with his face hidden to prevent photographs, said that he had infiltrated four high schools in Brooklyn. He said he found that 90% of the pupils had taken drugs, 
were hardcore heroin users. Spinelli said that when he tried to get convictions, he was abused by teachers and school officials and frustrated by Gold's office. The officer said one assistant district attorney in Gold's office even tried to bribe him. He said that he had reported that incident, but the assistant DA was just demoted and still worked for Gold. District attorney denied all the charges and also said that high school pupils accused on drug charges are not merely charged, but are made the subject of rehabilitation work. He said that the detective was bitter because promotions had passed him by. Burton Roberts, the district attorney of the Bronx, was also huddled with newsmen today. Roberts told of the arrest of nine men with a tent still being sought in connection with a racket which he said actually stole food out of the mouths of school children. Roberts said that a ring had managed to steal meat, cheese, eggs, and other foodstuffs from four public schools in the Bronx and resell it to merchants. He said the stolen food was part of the school lunch program. President Nixon's foreign affair advisor, Henry Kissinger, has arrived in Peking for discussions with Premier Zhou Enlai and other top red Chinese officials. And rumors persist that Kissinger is in on some sort of hush-hush diplomatic mission linked with a new peace plan for Indochina. American combat troop strength in Vietnam has been cut to its lowest point in seven years, and it's now only 11,000 men from the 49,000-man level which President Nixon had pledged by the end of this month. South Vietnamese troops are meeting heavy resistance in two of their drives to regain territory from the communists in Quang Tri Province and along Highway 13 between Saigon 